Well, welcome once again to our Holy Week service on this Good Friday. Uh, some of you, I'm sure, have joined us by live stream all week and uh, beginning on Monday even, we've had people in the sanctuary that have been with us and some of you have been here every day. Some of you didn't even know we were doing this until Wednesday of this week. And uh, so we're delighted to have you join us both by the live stream and uh, those of you who've joined us here in the sanctuary. In behalf of all the men, the men that have stood in this pulpit this week and stood under the authority of the Word of God to preach the truth of God, uh, we are grateful for your joining us. I'm already looking forward to next year when we can meet in our churches together and uh, we can break the bread of life together and uh, break together pimento cheese sandwiches and fried chicken and all of that It will be a joy once again to be back together. I want to remind you, you've seen it if you've seen uh, the pre-roll that uh, you are invited to join Rosemont Church for their Easter sunrise service Sunday morning in their beautiful prayer garden in back of the church at 7 o'clock. And I'm sure there are other sunrise services as well. And uh, we look forward to the celebration of all that's a part of this weekend. You can be turning in your Bible, if you will, to Luke chapter 23. If you've been with us this week, you know that that we have been following the course of the last week of the life and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ through Luke's gospel, and we come today to Luke chapter 23, beginning in verse 26 and ending in verse 49. Uh, we will walk through this text uh, during the time of the preaching of the Word of God, but you may want to uh, be there already and uh, be ready to look at your copy of God's Word as we walk together through this passage. Let us begin together in prayer. Almighty God, whose most dear Son went not up to joy, but first he suffered pain and entered not into glory before he was crucified, mercifully grant that we, walking in the way of the cross, may find it none other than the way of life and peace through Jesus Christ our Lord. We as your children, O God, can come to this day not in despair, but in hope. We come to this day not in defeat, but in victory. We come to this day not in sorrow, but in joy. We come to this day knowing that it is through the cross and only through the cross that we find the fullness of victory over sin as we anticipate the glorious resurrection of Jesus from the dead through whom alone we have life and peace and fullness of meaning in this life with a future that because of what he did for us is secure, triumphantly secure. So we come this day to stand at that cross, 
and to behold some of what you are saying to us and revealing to us as we look once again at the glorious cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we know that on this day yet again, all of us who are in this room and all of those who are joining us by live stream are called by your Holy Spirit through the power of your inerrant word to respond. So God, move, we pray, by your Holy Spirit and call us by that same Spirit through your word to respond to you on this day. And we pray to that end in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. I want you to uh, think with me for just a few moments today as we look at this passage in Luke 23. I want us to think together about three responses. We're at the cross today. This is Good Friday. And at the cross, by the power of God's Spirit, we're called to respond. And God sets before us in this powerful passage three responses that are given to the crucifixion of Jesus. I want us to see them, and I want us to, at some level, understand them and be able to see where we may be today as we stand at the cross. The cornerstone cornerstone of Christianity is indeed the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. The cross is the focal point, and it is indeed the foundation of our faith. It is at the cross of Jesus that the holy wrath of God is met by the holy love of God. It is at the cross of Jesus Christ that the justice of God is not only executed, the justice of God is satisfied, while at the very same time at the cross, the mercy of God is made fully manifest and the grace of God is on full display. It is at the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ that we see the holiness of our pure and perfect God. And we see that because our God is holy, He will not pamper sinners, and he will not put up with our sin as if we are just helpless and hopeless, naughty little boys and girls. Sin, in the eyes of a holy God, has to be punished, and sinners have to pay, either by receiving the kind of righteous and just judgment that comes as a result of our being sinners who sin, or our great and glorious God must find a way for someone else to take our place and to pay the price for our being sinners who sin, someone who will be our substitute, and someone who in being our substitute will offer himself up to God as an acceptable sacrifice to God. The beauty and majesty of the cross is this is precisely what we see. 
And it's because of what we see at the cross and what Jesus did at the cross that there is no real or genuine or true Christianity without a true and right right understanding of what God was doing on that day long ago through the cross of Jesus Christ, our Lord. It is at the cross that God in the power of his Holy Spirit through the death of his Son purchased the redemption of sinners. It's at the cross that sinners were reconciled to God. It's at the cross that we are adopted into the family of God. It's at the cross that we are brought into union with God through what Jesus was doing at the cross. It's why the psalmist says in Psalm 85.10, steadfast love and faithfulness meet righteousness and peace kiss each other at the cross. It's why the psalmist also implores us to kiss the son lest he be angry or wrathful and we perish in the way for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. So can I ask you this afternoon, have you taken refuge in Jesus? Have you looked to Jesus alone as your only help and your only hope? Is he the one in whom alone you trust as your Savior and Lord? We must needs go home by the way of the cross. There is no other way but this. We shall never get sight of the gates of light if the way of the cross we miss. It is Jesus who stands before us today. And it is Jesus through his cross that is calling us to come to him. It is Jesus who is imploring us through his cross to bow before him and to submit all that we are to all that he is, surrendering our lives to him. So how are you and I responding today? I want you to see three responses in this passage. The first one is, is Simon. Luke 23, beginning in verse 26, as they led him away, they seized one Simon of Cyrene who was coming in from the country and they laid on him the cross to carry it behind Jesus. And there followed him a great multitude of people and of women who were mourning and lamenting for him. Jesus, as we learned yesterday, had been treated so severely and shamefully. He had been mocked and maligned, scourged. And now coming out of all of that pain, he is bearing the horizontal beam of the cross, as did any criminal who was committed to this kind of or condemned to this kind of execution. He is walking through the narrow lanes of that city, and for whatever reason, and it's easy to know that he is beaten and broken by all of the pain that he had been through, all the suffering that he had already endured. He's making his way to that skull-shaped hill outside the city of Jerusalem where he will be killed. He couldn't continue. He fell beneath the weight of it all. 
uh, truly God, yes, but truly man indeed. The soldiers compelled a certain Simon who was coming in from the fields. He is from Cyrene or modern-day Libya. Uh, Given the time that it was and the festival of Passover, it is unlikely that he's coming in from working. He's coming in from where he lived to celebrate during this weekend uh, some of the festivities of the Passover, and they compelled Simon to carry the cross. We know very little about Simon. Mark tells us that he had two sons, and Paul may mention one of them in Romans, but I want you to see what we see here. Luke tells us that Simon is compelled to carry the cross behind Jesus. So it's Jesus leading the way, Simon bearing the cross, and there followed him a great multitude of the people and of women who were mourning and lamenting for him. Jesus turned and Jesus spoke to the women, to the crowds. Before we hear what he said to them, see the scene. Jesus bloodied and bowed, leading the way, a stranger, not from the city, carrying the cross, and lots of people following behind him. No one could get to Jesus except through the cross. You can't, I can't, they couldn't. It's the way of the cross that leads home. But Jesus reminds us, doesn't he, during his life and ministry, that there's no coming to the cross to be saved by the cross that does not always lead immediately and continuously to our coming under the cross. Here's the point. You and I cannot live for Jesus until we come to that place that we have taken up the cross. We're dying every day to ourselves. We're dying every day to our own desires. We're dying every day to the allurements and enticements to the world. There is no coming to the cross without carrying the cross. Because the way of the cross of Jesus is at completely cross purposes with the way of our own desires and the ways of this world. So Jesus turned to the crowd, to these women who are following, and he said to them, daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breast that never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, fall on us and to the hills cover us. For if they do these things when the wood is green... If they do these things to someone like me, pure and perfect in every way, what will they do when it is dry? What will they do to you when you take up your cross? Jesus is speaking here of a time less than 40 years away. A.D. 70, when the city and the temple will be destroyed, many will flee the city. Many will be put in prison. Many will be put to death. Many will face very hard times. 
Some of you know, don't you, that carrying the cross is not so hard when you're a part of a parade through some town, and it's not hard when you're a part of a play at church. But when it means complete commitment to Jesus as Lord so that you're all consumed by him, so that you are different, you act different, you talk different, you are different. Every day is different because Jesus is all. Simon carried the cross. And I have to ask myself every day, am I? Are you? There's a second response that is here. One of the criminals cried out for mercy at the cross. Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus, Jesus said, forgive them, Father, for they do not know what they are doing. They cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by watching. Now, there are other responses here. There were the response of the rulers. Uh, Their response is a theological response. Listen to what they say. He saved others, let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, his chosen one, his elect one. These are, these are theologians. They, they know the tradition, so they believe they know the truth that the Messiah is coming, the elect one of God. And when the elect one of God comes, he will establish his kingdom upon the earth and it will be a kingdom for Jewish people only. And all the Gentiles will be absolutely obliterated. They know that. They've been taught that. They believe that. So they say, rebuking him, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Messiah of God, the chosen one. The soldiers, uh, they don't speak Theologically, they speak politically. Listen to what they say. The soldiers, verse 36, who mocked him coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. So the soldiers may be in some sense, I don't know. Maybe in some sense, there was some sentiment among some of the soldiers that he is innocent. He shouldn't be here. So they may have been thinking, if not saying, help us out here, Jesus. Give us something. We want to help you, but you've got to help us help you. But then there's the other criminal. Verse 39, one of the criminals who were hanging railed at him. The word is the word for blaspheming. He blasphemed him, saying... A criminal doesn't care about theology or politics. He just wants to save his own skin. Are you not the Christ? Why don't you do both those things? Save yourself and us. And 
And then the other criminal speaks. The other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation, and we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds? But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. This man gives clear evidence that by the grace of God in Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, he had been brought from death to life. And his response shows it. The Apostle Paul says that we're all born dead in sin. And we cannot see the truth of who God is in Jesus until the Holy Spirit comes and brings us to life from the dead. Jesus said to the religious leader, Nicodemus, who knew his Bible well, thoroughly, unless you are born again, you can't even see the kingdom of God. That born again phrase is better translated born from above. Unless God opens your heart and opens your mind and opens your eyes, you will not even see the kingdom of God to be able to believe it all. You must be brought to life. Well, this man was there at the cross. He rebuked the other criminal. They were partners in crime. They were buddies, and he rebuked him publicly. He fears God whenever God comes to us. We know this. And God awakens us and calls us to himself. We are so overwhelmed by his grace and mercy that we're awed. He knows that he deserves to die, as does his friend. But he knows that Jesus is perfect and pure, and so he pleads with Jesus, remember me. Don't forget me, Jesus. Don't forsake me, Jesus. Jesus, please, please forgive me. This man pleads for mercy. And receives it just before he dies. Jesus said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. You do know, don't you, that this is the only account like this in the entire Bible? But this man was saved by the grace of God at the very last minute. You know, over the years living here, I've met lots of people who are even bold enough when I share the gospel with them to say, I'll wait. I'll wait. I want to live a little longer. I want to have my way a little longer. They're living to wait for that day when they receive that deadly diagnosis of cancer that is terminal and then they will get saved. Don't trifle with God that way. Don't treat God as if you're in control of him. If he's calling you today, if he's convicting you of your sin today, if you sense in any way that Jesus is reaching out to you and you're a sinner, don't wait. 
John Newton said just before he died that there were two things he knew for sure, that, that he was a great, great sinner and Jesus was a great, great Savior. Simon carried the cross. The criminal cried out for mercy at the cross. And then there's this pagan soldier who made a confession at the cross. Verse 44, it was now about the sixth hour and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour while the sun's light failed and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus calling out with a loud voice said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now, when the centurion, a pagan Gentile soldier, saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, certainly, this man was innocent. The word for innocent is the word for righteous. This is a righteous man. He confessed and gave praise to God. Was that dangerous for him? Absolutely. But he was compelled by what he saw. When he watched how Jesus died, when you and I recognize our depravity before God, we are without hope and without help. And we know that God has commended his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What else do you need? What more do you need to drive you on your knees begging Jesus to save you? Have you laid down your life at the cross to know that you must needs go home by the way of the cross? There is no other way. But this, this narrative ends, verse 48 and 49, all the crowds that assembled for this spectacle when they saw what had taken place returned home, beating their breast, grieving, wailing, weeping. And all his acquaintances And the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. Watching, waiting, wondering. You and I are here at Good Friday. We know what's coming. Jesus is taken from the cross. We don't leave him there. He's buried. Holy Saturday comes tomorrow. Day of silence. Day of waiting. I haven't done this in some years, but years ago, sometime on mid-afternoon, Holy Saturday, I would leave my house and drive over to St. Michael's Episcopal Church and go in the back doors and sit in the congregation. You know why? 
because by that time they had put the Easter lilies in the sanctuary. It's a small place, so the Easter lilies gave off this beautiful, beautiful aroma. And I could sit there and pray because I knew what was coming. So we wait. So we watch. So we celebrate that the one who died for our sins has been raised from the grave and we can shout, Hallelujah, King of kings and Lord of lords. Father, we thank you for this week. It is not the kind of uh, observance of the week that we would have wanted But we're so grateful that we've been able at least to gather each day under your word to offer prayers to you and to preach your truth. We're grateful, God, in a time when there's been so much confusion and still is, when there's been so much difficulty for so many and still is. We can stand day by day upon the solid ground of the truth of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing that by your grace we have received and are part of forever an unshakable kingdom purchased by the blood of your Son, sealed by the power of your spirit, ruled over by your sovereign hand, until at last the kingdoms of this world become your kingdom and the kingdom of your Christ, and you will rule forever and ever. And so we wait, and so we watch, and so we worship, and so we rejoice, In Jesus, our Lord, amen.